เดย์เรดิโอไรดิโอพอลวิทยุสถานชื่อไรดิโอลจิสไรดิโอเกสพิร์ค่ะเดอะบรีดไรดิโอ You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Mendel Rivers to eat hog maws confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater, and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner. The revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run, or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8:32 on reports from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on a rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lifes of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he had been saving for just the right occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so goddamn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally screwed Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news, and no pictures of Harry Arm, women liberationists, and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keys, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, or Engelbert Humperdinck. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will. This is Bridge Radio once again today, and um, today I am also one of your presenters, Steve, and we are here in the studio with uh, again my colleague, with Nana. I'm also here from the Bridge Radio, um, and for those who don't know what the Bridge Radio is, we will just uh, give a brief introduction. It's a radio collective that was first, uh, um, like it was formed in Copenhagen three years ago. Um, And uh, it's a group of migrants and non-migrants devoted to producing radio about um, our own voices, about our own voices, about uh, the migration, the migration regime, about migrant struggles and borders, and trying to somehow represent our own self and uh, giving the voices to those who do not are not able to represent themselves in the mainstream media today so today we are going to be talking about um externalization of borders detention deportation and the crisis the of that faces us with the whole refugee and migrant problem and uh, at the same time today we'll be bringing you live interviews from some of the struggles protests 
should I say, resistance from some of the individuals who are also been facing this um, deportation, um, detention within here in Europe, and also a little bit of insight of some researches that has been done outside of Europe. And today here with us in this program, we have um, Susie, who is uh, an educator. Maybe we should allow you to introduce yourself to the audience. Yes, hello everybody. My name is Susie Maret, and I'm an associate professor at the University of Aalborg, uh, the Department of Culture and Global Studies. Hello. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much also for coming into the studio with us. And um, so you'll be hearing interviews with uh, Isaiah, who's one of the people from Elbwangen camp, who've been protesting deportations and the condition in the camp. And also you'll hear interview with Young in Sweden, which is a group of young Afghans who've been protesting deportations in Stockholm in Sweden. And then we will, of course, also talk with Susie Merede, um, Meret. Yeah, who, um, who is here with us in the studio. And who will also be sharing her own light and knowledge from both research and her uh, intellectual uh, studies that she has been doing in Oborg University. And um, she's an e educator in this field also. And we'll also be playing you clips from Martin Limbeck, who is also a researcher in Copenhagen and uh, who has also been researching on this externalization of borders, which is also one of the topics we'll be focusing on. We are sorry we are supposed to also have him in this program today, but uh, we couldn't. But it's a series which we'll also be focusing a little bit uh, with in the next few programs. So we hope that in our next few programs that he's also going to explain his research to us and why it's very important for people to understand the externalization of borders and detention of migrants and what it causes. But we'll go over to the program now. And before we move on, we, we are going to bring you... Um, play a little bit of music in order to also bring up a little bit of the mood because some of the things we'll be talking today we're talking about today is a bit depressing for some individuals so we'll be bringing you some song in order to smoothen that out don't you know we're talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know we're talking about a revolution? It sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around waiting for a promotion. Don't you know we're talking about a revolution? It sounds Gonna rise up and get there, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, 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 about a revolution that's fine 
So that was uh, Tracy Chapman talking about revolution. We also need to keep on talking about this in order to understand our situation today. We also need to think differently from what we already know, which is also revolution. So that is what we'll be bringing in this program today in order to change people's minds, in order to change people's thoughts and maybe ask for a revolution in the society. So now we are going to be bringing in Martin Limbeck, who also explained a, li a bit of from his research or from their research um, about uh, the border externalization of EU borders to Africa, the Middle East, as of today, and also some reflects on quite a lot of what has caused the refugees' uh, problems and how the European Union has quite a lot tried to stop the flows of migrants outside of its own border. So what you'll be hearing next is going to be Martin Limbeck. What's currently going on is we're seeing a, a concerted push or even renaissance of older attempts to externalize migration control outside European territory. In this regard, the EU-Turkish deal is being uh, promoted as the template to be copied in, in other regions such as uh, the Middle East, uh, the, the Maghreb, uh, North Africa, Sahel region as well. So what we're seeing is a renaissance of this policy drive to a range of other actors and other very different local contexts than the one uh, what we're seeing in Turkey. So there's a powerful push and a very growing industry uh, measured in, in worth in, in billions of euro, which is treating externalization policies as the creation of valuable export markets. This kind of actors, which are increasingly active in, in terms of uh, exporting border control infrastructure outside Europe, is also the very same actors who are exporting a lot of the arms which creates the conflict that generate displacement in the first place. So in that sense, you can look at it as a, a dual win, but actually it is a triple win for these companies because the very same surveillance infrastructure they're exporting to be used for migration control is dual use. That is to say, it really depends on the receiving state whether it also wants to use it against its own populations. So at least one of the consequences of this kind of externalization policy is the, the production of a mirage or a spectacle, uh, a special vision of the border and what kind of efficient border control is needed to solve problems. However, externalizing displacement outside Europe is not solving the original causes of displacement. And rather, it seems to be generating circulation of really 
masses of people living under increasingly precarious conditions around the European Union. And in that case, uh, one could really uh, wonder whether this is actually a long-term solution or actually exacerbating the phenomenon it's supposed to address. Um, that was Martin Lundberg, and um, you had exactly what he said. And now, we'll, in order to break down this talk a little bit, we'll be talking a little bit with Susie, who is with us here in the studio. So, um, Martin talked about the externalization of border, both within the EU and outside of the EU. Um, from your research, how can you add to this uh, before we move on? Yeah, it was Martin's was a very good introduction, I think, to explain how externalization of borders uh, hang together with securitization policies mm -hmm. in, from the European part. And also when he speaks about this win-win situation in terms of what securitization also implies in terms of billion of euros used, for example, for technology at the mm -hmm. borders, for uh, you know, radars uh, for uh, all kind of uh, prevention that yeah. also feeds these uh, enormous companies. And I think one of the often mentioned uh, operating in this field is G4S. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I would like to take up when he speaks about externalization, because he speaks about the Renaissance. Yeah. Um, and he speaks about older policies mm. and uh, he also mentions that Turkey is the template. Now, uh, I partly disagree in the sense that uh, seen from the perspective of Southern Italy, uh, I'm Italian born. So mm. I remember that these um, these uh, processes uh, were uh, part of the bilateral agreements in between Italy and uh, Libya from the 2000s. Yeah. That means Italy having uh, agreements with Libya, a former colony, uh, about so uh, preventing inflows of migrants at that time with Colonel Gaddafi. Yes, um, yeah. In order so to control control uh, the migrant uh, the migrant inflows from the Mediterranean at the same time giving aid. Yeah. And this somehow it's important in the sense that shows how externalization is coupled also with different aid. Other aid yeah, for example. And this is often called linkages in the sense that you link border controls, yeah. border regulation uh, from the European parts, externalizing the borders uh, physically, out other in uh, the border of Libya, other in uh, so Libyan waters, for example, with also pushback practices uh, in the sense of pushing so migrant boats back, which is completely illegal. Or also uh, with other countries, as for example Niger, uh, also the uh, agreements that have been made recently with Mali and so on. So these big, big interests. So that couple this with economic aid, that means development. So this development is uh, given at the condition that these countries actually deliver something in terms of uh, policies of securitization. And this is the interest of Europe, and it's not at all new. And Italy is, in this uh, case, a paradigmatic mm. uh, example of a country that has been going on with these agreements uh, for a long time. I remember beginning of 2000s, uh, also 2005-07, and lately also with a memorandum uh, that has been signed as a form of contract with so and 
basically an existing state in Libya, considering that is a country that has, doesn't have a recognized, internally recognized so government. government. Yeah. For the um, so one of the reasons also today that we want to talk about externalization of borders is also to understand this, how this is linked with deportations and how these agreements that you just talked about are linked with uh, increased deportations from Europe. Yeah, and I think here it's important when, so in, in the clip that you, you just sent, um, it's mentioned this of the border as a spectacle. Mm. So the border is created as a physical border and as a way to criminalize those entering without, let's say, uh, rendering, so to say, Ill illegally. Mm. They are constructed as illegally in the sense that very of the migrants coming here are considered not eligible for um, refugee status. status. So, and this is a priori, no matter where they come from. That means that we have here in Hamburg the perfect example of the Lampedusa in Hamburg, people who actually worked and lived in Libya, escaped Libya, but were actually uh, due to uh, being deported either back to Italy or back to the original countries if they came from countries such as uh, Niger, Nigeria, or uh, areas of, uh, of Mali, for example. So this criminalization somehow puts criminal law into the enacting of the border control. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it implies a, a lot of other laws in terms of securitizing this. And also from the perspective of the European society is this making policies of security. So making people feeling that membership is based on securitizing the society, mm. which to, to some extent clearly also implies the creation of a lot of um, forms of imprisonment, incarceration, mm. Mm. Uh, which is which differs from country to country still. But uh, as I see it with the new policies, is getting towards a form of homogenization. That means that incarceration is more and more regulated, not only by the single state, but also by the European state, mm -hmm. controlled, for example, what we see with forms of hotspots created in the uh, southern countries, Greece and Italy, um, as an example, but also as places where so those considered uh, ineligible for a refugee uh, status, Statues. they are uh, so stampled as uh, illegal, uh, irregularly stay in the country, and so they consider that a needs. And this bursts this incarceration system that means uh, prisons and security also. So there's a lot of business also behind this in terms of uh, all what you need to make as uh, physical assets, but also uh, manpower in order to control and uh, so manage these uh, countries. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the questions I would like to ask when we come back again, now we'll, we'll take a break and come back again and to continue with the conversation. One of the things I would like to talk about is also what you talked about, about hotspots. Um, the, the, one of the policies that you have to seek asylum from the safe country first before then you will, one of the uh, spots that they have set up, like maybe in the Middle East or in Africa, or let's say Turkey, Italy, then you have to ask, ask asylum there first before you be either taken into consideration if you're going to seek asylum or not, which we think is a bit absurd that when you're running away from a crisis, you cannot be in within that place and still ask for asylum within that place before you will be um, 
uh, your case will be reviewed. So we'll go over now. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll play, take a little bit of a break, play um, the recording from The Voice, uh, who was also referring to one of the uh, resistance, or should I say protest against this sort of deportation, uh, or EU Dublin deportation uh, in Evergen. So we are going to hear that and what he says about this both externalization of borders and deportation, what it causes and what the mindset is, and then we'll play this all over again. Um, in this reading you will hear, it's uh, it's written uh, read by Mopolo, who's part of the Voices, who's a migrant struggle group and mostly based in Berlin, who also make radio. Give a small background, like we said, what does the German policy say about deportation. We are not going to go directly to the policy itself. We are going to talk about what we, the Voice Refugee Forum, the Refugee Network, uh, have put together to analyze the deportation policy of uh, the German state. So I will go to uh, a small excerpt of what we've uh, written on our homepage. Uh, when we talk about the deportation or when we execute the deportation, it is the last ring of slavery and colonial chain. And uh, every racial, racist, and murderous policies that comes before uh, are there to legitimize and legalize the and facilitate the last ring of this chain. It is nothing new that there is torture, subjugation, racism, arbitrariness, absurdity, and, repress uh, and repression accompanying the regulation of the movement of people by states particularly at the borders. But a contemporary analogy takes us down the memory lane outlining the fact that deportation has not always been about the regulation of the movement of people by states, particularly at borders. It has been an instrument of power by the oppressors against the subalterns. The process does not start with repatriation. Repatriation is just the beginning of the end. The actual deportation to other countries, not of the deportees, is the added manifestation of this slavery and the colonial powers. We should never forget that during the times of the Trans-Sahara and Transatlantic slavery, millions of African women, men and children were deported from the motherland to other parts of the world to work as slaves. Kings and queens that resisted slavery and colonization were captured and deported to other parts of Africa, but also out of the continent. Also during the times of the German over Herero and Nama massacres and extermination, and extermination in Namibia, those who escaped and resisted the Germans were deported to many other African territories, including those controlled by Germany at that time, like Cameroon and Togoland. The same fate awaited freedom fighters of other African countries who resisted and fought their slaves uh, and colonial masters. In the recent extermination of the Jews in the last century, this could be perfectly executed through deportation into concentration camps in Germany and into other territories in Europe. And in all these times, deportation was legal just like today. Today we may be fighting a different type of deportation, but the rationals behind this murderous policy is the same. The extermination subjugation and control of people deemed subalterns. There are individuals and mass deportations by the European Frontex, with Germany 
playing a leading and conspicuous role, both individual and mass deportations. The mass deportations have been an instrument to sustain imperialism, global capitalism, and global apartheid, and has been taking racialized and militarized dimensions. Citizens of so-called developing countries, especially in Africa, and now in war-torn Middle East Asia, are more and more being targeted by powerful Western countries, including Germany. This could only be made possible through coercive state apparatus, a vulnerable labor force, and a global market for goods and services. While on the other hand, while on the one hand, the deporter most often, or the deporter most often than not, has a history of being the oppressor, the deportee has almost always a history of persecution. That is why the fight to stop deportation and the anti-deportation struggle should be a fight that should go beyond the justification against persecution in our home countries or for integrationist and, and assimilative reasons. It should be seen as a fight against imperialism, capitalism, racism, slavery, and colonization. It is a fight against impunity for a different world order. If we succeed in stopping deportation, it will be a revolution. The deportation culture of Germany did not start today, but it should be stopped today. It is a part of its control legacy and an injustice that should, go, that should not go unpunished. The revolution is near. So this is a text that was uh, written by The Voice. So this was one of the things we are talking about. So one of the questions in which I was trying to ask before was also almost referring to what he was saying now in the sense that deportation, incarceration of people, border externalization, it's not a new phenomenon. It has always been there. Yes, you can say so. And actually new practices will uh, make this increase even more in terms of uh, deportation practices. And that's why I also see as important not to talk about repatriation as uh, in policy documents, but uh, tell uh, the things as they are, because it's actually uh, very often so compulsory, although uh, they at the both European level and national level, they try to so enact practices that uh, enhance forms of voluntary so-called, but the volunteer part of it is almost uh, inexistent very often. And we were talking about hotspots because, I mean, um, uh, perhaps I should uh, emphasize even more the fact that with the externalization and the border controls, then uh, you have uh, increasing so uh, number of people that are so uh, illegalized and uh, the idea is that for those that are not um, that can't be so pushed back or uh, maintained so in the African continent whether it is northern Africa or also uh, I don't know Middle East in Egypt Tunisia and so on that those coming here they are actually um, um, processed through this application system swiftly and the hotspot documents that have come up uh, also on the verge of the uh, migra migrant crisis, so-called migrant crisis in 2015, actually fulfill this task. Uh, hotspots are for uh, so frontline member states, uh, where these frontline member states, uh, namely Italy is one, uh, Greece is another one, are um, due to so process uh, the uh, applications in, in one place. For example, for the case of Italy, there's one 
Uh, there's seven, seven hotspots in the whole country. Uh, mostly one, for example, in Lampedusa and others uh, in, in, in Sicily and, mm. uh, and uh, some, some others uh, further up. But uh, the process is not done only by the member state, but it is also assisted by, for example, Frontex and Europol. Hmm. That means that fingerprints are so processed through a uh, so European data system that is uh, very much so uh, can you can say s- controlled by by all member states. So. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that those who are not so considered eligible for uh, asylum, they are so uh, due to deportation. Uh, so the question is what to do with uh, those people who do not so enter or are considered not to fulfill this of the Geneva criteria, criteria of the, uh, yeah. the Geneva Convention so what to do with them and here we have this incarceration system that starts up so the fact that people are deprived of the uh, liberty of a uh, circulation the liberty to decide where to stay and so on uh, so it's here where we have the criminalization of migration mm. so uh, migration becomes automatically a crime mm. and is so uh, de- dealt as, uh, as as a crime with all what comes with it in terms of uh, both uh, normative the normative part but also the the uh, the system of uh, of uh, so uh, criminalization. criminalization i mean it has always been the fact like when let's say from 2015 there was the need uh, the political push to create a safe way for people, a safe path, so that they can, the good migrants can come through these safe paths or make, um, how do you call it, uh, hotspots where they can go truly, where they don't have to be small good. But from the examples that we know after 2015 to date, we only see that that has increased in the sense that it is now the government or militants themselves, as such as Libya. Uh, the ones who are actually running this, both either smuggling or either trying to stop the migrants from uh, going, which has increased, like the detention camps we see, such as in like Libya or maybe even in Turkey, uh, maybe in Italy as well. And this has only increased it. It has not made it any better for the migrants, which they themselves say we are trying to save them. But the policies they have made has only increased that criminalization, detention, but this time not by smugglers, but by the government itself or by the EU itself, just because of the policies they've made. So one of the things I would also like to ask is what is would be the advice to the state itself in terms of this policy they've made or uh, externalization of borders, it, w- what would be your advice? Yeah, it's difficult to give advice, especially <laughs> when you're not heard. <laughs> no. So, I mean, there were advices on, uh, let's say, on in, the, in discussion, and uh, I remember also petitions going around, also for rather outstanding people um, internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, this of the safe passages, mm. uh, like meaning safe passages in terms of uh, so reducing the amount of so-called smugglers, because as you rightly say, Steve, the problem is that if you enact these forms of uh, so. Um, externalization of borders and securitization you automatically so enhance the number of smugglers mm. uh, and, and and this is actually giving by itself mm. is contradiction mm. in, in in terms so uh, the idea would be actually to create safe passages and then to uh, deal with uh, those applications that might come also perhaps uh, by reviewing 
the um, Geneva Convention, which doesn't really fulfill. And I think there is a really a lots of studies on this, uh, like uh, pointing to the fact that uh, this uh, this that has been defined, we have to remember, in 1951 with uh, the uh, so needs and uh, conditions that we had at that time is not really representing the immense so uh, mo mobility that we have nowadays also in terms of displacement that is also created by conditions mm -hmm. of, let's say, coloniality as, yeah. as, as Ambolo uh, so, as pointed, out. pointed out before, yeah. So we would, we would take a little bit of a break, play a another song, and then we'll come back again to this same topic. And then we'll be hearing also from the people themselves who are refugees and migrants who have been going through these problems themselves, who were forced to leave at the same time, went through both the desert, the sea, and ended up in these safe places, uh, which is already Europe, who are already in Europe, and also been detained, um, forcefully deported, and their struggles and how they try to bring that, it, bring that into the society to educate the society. So we'll be hearing from one of some of them when we come back. But before that, we'll be bringing you a song. Um, and this song is by uh, ba Balogi, who's a Belgian rapper with Congolese origin. And the song you'll hear is called Independence Cha Cha. And the chorus of the song is taken from an old uh, independence song from Congo. So I guess it's also a reminder of how this times and, and is still like urgent and is still important, this like uh, strive for independence. Also talking about the way that these eight agreements with Europe is some like comes from an old colonial history. So here you will have it by Yuli. Promesse lendemain, promesse de l'aube d'un état souverain où le sol se dérobe entre milices européennes, puis à Jérusalem, peuple que l'on déplace comme des cheptels, de parcelles en parcelles, gouvernance en tutelle, état de droit essentiel. À nos ethnies unies au pluriel, effet papillon, effet tampon, car ici on change leur en blanc. La révolution au bout du vote, la force du nombre et l'antidote, pour changer la dette en dot. Autant de droits que de devoirs, plus de points de convergence que de différence, et oublier l'état-providence. Cette chanson fédératrice, ça 
symbole de la crédulité des prémices Entre indépendance et armistice Mais pour que nos démocraties progressent Faut qu'elles apprennent de leurs erreurs de jeunesse Mon pays est un continent émergent Parti en moins de 50 ans Independence Chacha um, from Baloji and now we're back again and we are going to now be playing a little bit of the voices from the people who have been trying to resist this deportation and um, to also show to the society that they are also humans and they also deserve um, a life. And to give a little introduction, this um who we, the interview is with uh, Isaiah, who's from Elbangen camp, uh, who've been protesting the conditions of Elbangen camp, um, and he will tell you more about how this started. This is um, one of the people who organized the protests against the police uh, deportation in Elbangen. And um, please, can you introduce yourself to us? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Isaiah. Yeah. Irawi. I live here. I live. I live. In, I live here in Germany, mm -hmm. in a city called Evergen. Mm. So you you were part of the people who organized the resistance against the deportation of one of the um, residents in these camps or in these lagers on the thirtieth of April. Can you explain to us a little bit how this started and why you decided to organize against this deportation? Um, well, we, although that night on the 30th of April when this incident took place, mm -hmm. we, we did not plan for it. Yeah. We are all sleeping. Mm -hmm. But before that night, we have been trying to see if there is any how or any way we can be able to speak with the press. Mm. and uh, express our feelings to them to make them understand that what we, the refugees in Evergreen, are going through in the camp, yeah. we are suffering and it's not good for us. So that very night, I I was actually sleeping when I heard this noise. When you say night, around what time are we talking about? It was uh, two, 2 to 3 a.m. in the morning. That was when the police came? That was when the police came. Okay. They, norm they normally come at that time of the night to deport somebody. Any time they are coming, it will be from 2 to 3 a.m. in the morning. Hmm. When the person is sleeping. When the person is sleeping. And the problem we are having is this. It's not as if they are coming is the issue. But if they come, the way they do this thing, yeah. that is the problem. Okay. In this lager we are talking about, we are... More than 400, re, 400 refugees living inside this lager, in this camp. Mm -hmm. And you come just because of one person, you want to 
pick one person, you wake, the, disturb the peace of every other person sleeping in that lager that night. Uh, when we are talking about this lager, is it a, a, a camp with young men, and uh, or is it a camp with young uh, women also, or is it a camp with children also? In this camp, we are talking about before, before, before now, mm -hmm. we are having seventy children. Okay. In this camp, mm -hmm. seventy women. Mm -hmm. The other people, they are all men. Okay. So it's not only for boys, it's both boys and girls and family. Okay. So, yeah, continue. And then the police came by three. So they came that night. I was sleeping. Normally if they come, they start making this noise, shouting. You know, they will just open your door. And funny enough, the door is not locked. They will just get to your door. They will hit the door, mm -hmm. open the door and enter your room. You know, they don't even know the person they are coming to pick. Mm -hmm. That is the problem. They don't know the person they are coming to pick. They will just come. They will hold the person on vice his picture. They will be showing you inside the room. Mm -hmm. Who is this person? Who is this person making noise? That was how they picked that boy that night. You understand? Mm -hmm. So I was sleeping when I heard this noise. I had to come outside. I got downstairs. I saw them with some other people, some other refugees, mm -hmm. telling them that these guys not leaving this camp. They are not. Uh, they, are, we are, they are not going to allow them take this guy away from this camp. And the guy was also shouting that I don't want to be deported. I don't want to go back to Italy. You people should leave me alone. I don't want to go back to Italy. Oh, Already, okay. the, the guy we are talking about is somebody who has his first fingerprint in Italy, which means you're yes, talking about Dublin. A, yeah, he's a victim of Dublin. Okay. Yeah. Already, they've already uncovered this guy behind his back. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. Trying to force him inside their van, but he refused. Before the refugees inside the camp now came outside. We now said, okay, this is our time. This is the, 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 the opportunity we have been looking for mm -hmm. to send a signal to this government that the way they are treating us here, we are, we are not happy with it because we are all human beings. We are not animals. We are human beings. That so was you, when people, we told you people already have problem with the deportation, the state deportation and the way the state deports people? Yes. Let me tell you something. The 95% living in that lager... Mm -hmm. They are a victim of Dublin. As I'm talking to you, I'm also a victim of Dublin. Mm -hmm. And once you have this Dublin of a thing, the next thing you are asked to go back to Italy. Mm. And the thing is affecting us emotionally, is affecting us psychologically. Mm. You understand? Yeah, so we had no this. choice. We had no choice than to say, okay, we need to speak out. We need to make the society know that we here, we are suffering. Yeah. We are suffering because it's not everybody that came through Italy that was ready to give his or her fingerprint there in Italy. Italy. Most of us were forced yeah. to give our fingerprint. Like me, I was forced. I did not spend one month in Italy. I came to Europe last year, November 5th. I mm -hmm. spent two weeks in Italy before coming to Germany. Hmm. I did not seek asylum. I told them properly that I don't want to stay in Italy. I'm going to Germany. They forced me to give my fingerprint. Hmm. I can't resist it. Yeah. You understand? So we're coming to Germany now to seek for, for a better life or to seek for security, for protection. Mm -hmm. They are treating us as if we are nobody, as if we are slaves. You understand? So mm -hmm. that was where we decided to say, okay, this Togonese guy is not leaving this camp that night. So he... We did not touch the police people. We did not fight them. We did not even go close to their van. Yeah. All we are saying is this, leave this. We are only fighting them with our mouth. How did you protest? The protest that yeah. night? Yeah. We did not protest. It was after that night, mm -hmm. they left. They left without taking the boy with them. Mm -hmm. You understand? Then, mm -hmm. after 
two days, because this incident happened on Sunday morning, 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Then on Monday, the camp director came and said the police people said 200 refugees, the Afri 200 African refugees living inside that lager fought them, fought four policemen, we damaged their van, mm. you know, we beat them. Yeah. That was the news that they were spreading all over Germany. It's also the same news we had. Um, okay. Yeah, like uh, with the state's um, explanation or the media in, in Germany explaining that uh, the African refugees in this camp for the police or even beat up some of the police and they found uh, some things in your camp, which, uh, uh, of course, I also, from the experience we have in Denmark, we also know that they quite lie a lot when they come into to taking someone so uh, so that was what they were saying and we were on our outside we were kind of surprised but something like this did not happen we did not even go close to these people and secondly they said we, we the guy was ready in the car the guy was ready to go with them we now came out and bring the guy out of the car which we met the guy standing outside with them shouting mm -hmm. that he's not ready to go anywhere so when this news was coming at we were kind of surprised we were like we did not even come close to these people we only told them that we are not happy with the way they are treating us here so therefore we are not going to allow them take this boy away from here mm -hmm. that was what happened that night that on thursday of that same week i was sleeping in my room you know mm -hmm. 4 a.m in the morning the next thing i had noise as if it's a bomb being on my door they were the when I opened my eye, I saw some, I don't call these people police, I call them commando because these people are so huge. These people, they were mean, they cover their faces, I don't even, it's only their eye that was open. Hmm. From the from their head to toe, everywhere was covered. They asked, my, because we, in my room, we are three, yeah. they asked us to take our hands up, I took, I, took, I took my hand up, they uncovered my hand behind my back, they asked me to lie on the floor, hmm. I lie on the floor, they were like searching my room, they finished searching my room, they they, they, they they controlled my office mm. before they not, they not asked me to come outside for my room. Then some they, they 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 did the same thing to every other person living inside that camp. Some of our people, some of the refugees, I was trying to ask them what is the problem, what have we done, why are you people attacking us like this? Mm -hmm. They were beat mercilessly, brutalized. Some some of us were injured. Mm -hmm. They broke some people's legs. Some they broke their neck. A friend of mine, Emmanuel, they broke his neck collected our money, some they collected our phones. You know, it was so, so, so horrible that day. You understand? Yeah. For 650 policemen came to our camp to attack us for what we did, we don't, we don't even know. So we are so surprised. It's also this when you say the, the first day they came, then uh, they, they of course made up um, this thing that you people beat up the the police who came to arrest this man and then in order to say this is their counter reaction they came and then they started to harass everybody in the camp is that what you're saying to us yes yes hmm. yes yes because the, these people that came that day they were mean they were ready to kill imagine where they were even dropping dropping a red cross nothing from here Sorry, come again. Say that again. They were dropping. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to call this German nonsense. Is it Red Cross? The These Red people Cross. That, that, yeah, yeah, the Red Cross. They were dropping them from Eligota from here to come and help. To come and treat the people that was injured. Hmm. So you had six hundred and fifty policemen. Six hundred and fifty policemen in the in the camp. In the camp that came that morning. 
Okay. But one other thing I wanted to ask you, because you also talked about the Dublin and um, about the police uh, or the state deportation of uh, the people who are coming from Italy. Um, and mainly, specifically, in this situation now, targeting African migrants. Um, you were in Italy, right? Yes. And uh, you also saw the situation of migrants who are in Italy. Yes. What do you have to say when you see this kind of forces coming from the German state? What do you think when you imagine the situation of a refugee and um, what they are going through? What, how do you see the situation the go German government is also putting the refugees here after the traumas they've passed through or they have suffered in their own country before they came to Italy, what they have gone through in Italy. How do you see it when the German government or its police react like this towards you? Honestly, to me, I'm, I'm, I never knew Germany is going to turn like this. Like, on me... I'm very, 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 very disappointed in them, like seriously, because this is not what we expected before we came to Germany. Mm -hmm. We never knew it's going to be like this. Mm -hmm. Coming from a country where the youth are not recognized, coming from a country where you, you spend four or five years in the university, mm -hmm. after set are done, getting a job would be a problem. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. They managed, managed, took the risks from Nigeria to Libya, from Libya, Mm -hmm. to to Italy. Yeah. God getting to Italy, we find out that there is no job opportunity in Italy. People are suffering. Some are begging to survive. Some people are sleeping in the street. Mm -hmm. Some some are doing some kind of business that the society is not going to welcome. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to live that kind of life, we decided to come to Germany to seek for refugee, to seek for a better life. Mm -hmm. But we came here instead of them to assist us. When we came, they, they, they receive us, but they, they, are, they, they don't feel our pain. Instead of them to just, okay, treat us like a normal human being, we are being treated like a slave, like a common criminal. Now you talked about uh, slave itself. Uh, we've listened to the stories of um, the people traveling to Europe, to Libya. We've seen the stories in the Mediterranean. We've also, you also touched a little bit about the situation in Nigeria of people walking and the hard conditions that is in Nigeria or other other countries also. Other white, country, yeah. yeah, white people are migrating. And um, you tried to mention slavery in that sense. We ourselves here in Denmark, we often assume that the system itself is sort of producing this migration itself. They are producing it with uh, the war they, are, they, they have been involved in in the last centuries. They have been um, involved in it by economic wars also that they are imposing on these African countries um, and at the same time treat its citizens when they try to leave this crisis from their countries and come here in search of better life. You end up being either locked up in the camp or abandoned in, in camps. Um, yeah. How do you compare that to the word itself, slave, slavery, and how do you see that, um, let's say, a system like... Um, um, how is it called? A, a system like the bureaucratic system behind it, how do you see it in terms of capitalism, for instance? How do you see it play a part in this? Uh, brother, I, I, don't, I don't really know the word to use on this, but the truth of this matter is this. You see, like me, mm -hmm. 
when I was in Libya, yeah, I was kidnapped. Yeah, you understand? Mm -hmm. I spent over six to seven months in the prison. Mm -hmm. These people were demanding for for a ransom of about one million naira from my people, asking me to call people to send money. Mm. I know the hell I went through before I came out. Mm. By the grace of God, I managed to enter Italy. Mm. Then I came to Germany. The way these people, this European government are treating we Africa, generally I don't really understand why they are treating us like this. Mm. Because when I went to Berlin, I said something, I told them, if they want to come to our country, Africa, we give them visa. We start looking back. They don't go through the stress we are going through. Mm. And they come to our country, we treat them like king and mm. queen. Mm. You understand? Mm. An African man will have mean money to pay for to get to get a visa. Still yet, they will not give that person the visa. Mm. They will ask you to go and bring your statement of account. You will also bring your statement of account. At the end, they will deny you this visa. Mm. I don't know why they are treating us this way. We are not the problem they have in Europe. Mm. We Africans, we are not the problem they have in Europe. Mm -hmm. The problem is their law. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm. The problem is their law. We are not the problem. They should just try and change their law and leave us alone. We are not here to 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 to, to disturb them. We are not here to 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 to, to cause trouble. All mm. we need is just for them to give us integration. We people living the way the refugees living in the camp, there is no integration. We are not. We, they, they don't give us any right. We don't have right to school outside. We mm. don't have right to work outside. We just we are just inside that lager for six months. They, they tell you after six months they will transfer you. As I'm talking to you now, this is my seventh month. I'm going to yeah, my seventh month in that lager. I've not gotten my transfer yet. Mm -hmm. Some people are there for nine months. I don't know if they have this 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 problem with this black color. I don't I don't really I don't really know how to address this. I don't know what to call this. But this is this is this is uncomfortable. This is not good. We are we all are humans. They should at least consider the fact that we are human beings, mm. not animals. So that was uh, one of the um, people who was protesting against the Dublin um, deportation here in Germany. And uh, he was talking quite a lot about how this affects their life. But before we go into this talk, we are going to play you a song. This is going to be Fatima Dwara from Mali, who sings about how the um, migration problem in Africa has also affected their, her own personal life, such as um, her husband went away, leaving her and her children in Africa, and somehow this has also destroyed her own life. So here comes the song. Mm-hmm. 
This song you're hearing is by Fatumata Diawada, who is a Malian singer and guitarist. And uh, some small translation of the lyrics of the song is My love has gone far away and may never come back. He has left his family and friends behind and gone away. He may never come back. What am I to do? He was my friend and my conf- confidant. So why we also wanted to play this song is because often the stories of migration is told from those who migrate, but there's also a whole story to it of those who actually stay, which is often also uh, a more, uh, yeah, more women, mothers, um, not only of course, but it's like, it's an important part of the story of migration. And uh, yeah, another thing was also like in terms of for uh, a lot of us who are reflecting uh, the way we see the migration, a lot of the faces that ho- has also been portrayed are usually young men or men alone. It's also to say that we have women, we have children, such as when we are talking about Libya and the enslavement of the people or selling of people who were there. It's also to remember that most of the people who were much, much, much vulnerable were the women and the children who were also migrating. They were not only young men. Mm. There were a lot of other people who were also involved. Mm. And also the people they left behind there. There is a lot of consequences for them, such as when they lose their loved ones on the sea or in the desert or lost in the deportation camp uh, in Libya or outside of Libya. So 
this is just to give an insight of um, what this whole migration issue has it really the consequences of it for people in the society or poor people in the society now susie that also brings me that also brings me to the conversation with you just to talk about a little bit about the uh, dublin um uh, what is it called dublin fingerprints that people have when they come into Europe. There are a few routes which people can use in coming into Europe illegally, as it's claimed, uh, like through with the ship, if you don't come by flight. Uh, there is consequences for them in the sense that they can only go to some certain places in Europe or some certain routes in Europe, such as Italy, Greece, or Turkey. And that actually makes them to leave their fingerprints in this place, which makes them the first places that they register. Um, what would be your what would be your uh, how do you say it like your, maybe uh, it's just to say that the interview we heard from um Elbvangen camp they, it's a camp where people are there and who are facing Dublin deportation so maybe to explain like briefly about the difference between these different types of deportation that exists yeah the consequences for these people and how this one-sided route also affects the countries like Italy or Greece Yes, um, these are often referred to as Dublinates, um, in the sense that when they are so, they, they, when they are sent back, they are sent back to the first country mm -hmm. they arrived, the, surf, the first safe country. Mm. Uh, now, the Dublin Convention has been changed in two occasions, but it's still a hurdle uh, internationally, also uh, seen from the perspective of uh, so uh, frontline member states, uh, mm. as for example Italy, because I mean uh, very many of these countries, Italy and Greece and Spain, and uh, are actually bounded to uh, so uh, accept and 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 also deal with the migrants that have first come to the country, mm -hmm. and uh, of course, like uh, conditions of uh, these uh, countries, by the way, from 2008 also extremely affected by the economic crisis, uh, is uh, not allowing, I mean, forms of regularized uh, migration, migration, but also, let's say, safeguarding of basic rights. Yeah. These are civil rights, but also in terms of how people can uh, make out of uh, their life and a living. So, uh, so very many of these people also move forward, and this has been the case, but uh, in the past years, there's a, a, a tightening up of this uh, with uh, so uh, stricter border controls also yeah. at the border with Italy, and uh, also we see this in Ventimiglia, for example, we see this, that means at the border with France, where mm. French police is also sending back those attempting to uh, cross over. Same with uh, at the border with Austria, so and not to say also uh, at the border with the eastern countries. So, I mean, very many of these people are bound to come back to a situation of uh, extreme precariousness mm -hmm. and we have to uh, so remember that in Italy there's a lot of uh, these so irregularized migration or illegalized migration that mm -hmm. works in the uh, black market uh, for example I've seen several camps uh, in uh, in the south of Italy in uh, where people work for agriculture and they are completely I mean enslaved in forms of slave enslavement uh, actually that means both in forms of uh, non so um, regular non uh, 
securitized so forms of work with uh, no uh, no rights whatsoever so and also being very much afraid to report those exploiting them to the police because i mean that would imply also for them so being deported uh, by the same fact at, that uh, they, they do not have papers. So, so it's a very complex situation that means uh, that Dublin should be reviewed. And actually, I think that at the light of the new government, which is, I mean, something that we should uh, discuss about now, we will see what this Legano represented uh, that has been elected uh, yesterday at mm. the interior of the uh, Italian government will be doing in the future. And I think uh, for sure also this discussion about Dublin will come on the table besides all the rest, because, I mean, what he has promised is that uh, there will be an absolute increase of deportations uh, back to uh, countries mm. such as Nigeria and others mm. so in the, in, in, in the very near future. Okay. One of those things, we'll be coming back to also to finish the interviews with um, one of the Isaiah from Evergen, who we're interviewing before one of those problems we are talking about is also that when many of these people come here they they feel abandoned they feel enslaved funny enough the last program we had um vanessa thompson was also talking about some of the women who are picking um strawberries in 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 europe who are also not recognized many of the times that this work that they are doing is also very important and um Quite a lot of these situations has caused the refugees themselves to many of the times take their own life. Many of them has um, been detained, such as the ones we, the Iranians we hear in Denmark, uh, we know in Denmark today, who were also detained in um, Kasogo and now in Elebek. A few days ago, we also had about a, a man who set himself on fire in Stuttgart also after getting rejected from the government. So there is a lot of the implications for people who actually are in this situation of Dublin. And just to really understand and continue talking about this, let's maybe hear the last things uh, Isaiah has to say. Just to talk more about the struggle itself, because we also saw the... Um, uh, the article that you wrote about yeah. uh, solidarity. Yeah. Now, can you explain a little bit of your view on this and why it is important and what it means for your struggle that you actually really have people who support, who show solidarity with, really with the people and not just support because they want to support, but really show solidarity with you, uh, with your fight. Yeah, why, why, um, what I have to say on this issue called solidarity? Mm. You know, most people are just there. Mm. They, according to what they say, they are fighting for us, mm -hmm. you know, but they are not feeling our pain. Mm. It can only take the people that, that, that know what we, that felt what we are feeling, going through right now, mm -hmm. to understand what we are trying to say. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Yeah. So, what 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 we what I believe we need right now is just for we as a refugee, as the migrant in uh, in uh, in this in uh, Europe, we should all come together mm. and take a step and take a move because if we keep keeping mute like this, this Mr. A is scared and Mr. B is scared. He don't want to speak out. Nobody wants to say anything. We will just be blind and be, keep suffering. Mm. 
Mm. You understand? We yeah. just keep suffering because these people, these people, the way, the way. Okay, I went to 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 to, to Berlin on Sunday for a demo, yeah. which they invited me. The way the races, there were about five thousand races who came outside that day to fight to fight we refugees. Mm -hmm. The race which they are going, if we give them chance, they are not ready to give up. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. If we allow these people, they will take over. So the more they are coming at, we on our own side, we should be ready for them to tell them that we are ready for them. We should come together and say no to them. Mm -hmm. Because I believe Germany, is Germany, European country as a whole, is a democratic country. Mm -hmm. There is freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. And majority, I think, wins the vote in politics here. So if we can come outside as one union, I tell to these people that what you guys are doing to us is too much. We, we won't stop. We want an end to this. We want you people to give us the same rights that are given to other countries that are coming to Europe. They mm -hmm. say we, there is no war in our country, so we don't have right to come here. They, they, they only give the Enitra another uh, country. Paper. But presently now, there is no war in Enitra. But they still come to this country, they give their document. Now, talking about um, how the your protest or your resistance about the deportations, the Dublin deportations, and I, I, I suppose deportations in general, how the mainstream media has taken it, how do you perceive that? What, when you hear what is being said in the main, me in the main media or in the mainstream media, because you also mentioned that uh, they have been talking about us and not talking with us. Now we have the chance to talk for ourselves. How did you perceive the presentation that was perceived in the media? And why do you think it's important that a refugee speaks for himself, a refugee or a migrant speaks for himself, and why we should speak more? Yeah, because I, 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 after the incident that took place in our camp, in our lager, some press people came. They started taking information from us. Mm -hmm. They came and they take information from us. Mm -hmm. But the all information we give to them was not what they publish. Mm -hmm. You understand? So I later, now I did my research, I find out that these people, some of them are working together with this police. Mm -hmm. mm. You understand? So mm -hmm. the side that they know is going to favor us or is going to work against them, they will cut it off. Mm. You understand? So mm -hmm. I not came to a, this conclusion, I find, and I said to myself, the only way we can speak to the society to make them understand, because if we if we organize a demonstration, everybody wants to know why we organize a demonstration. Mm -hmm. People will come to you and start asking you a story, mm -hmm. asking you what happened. Mm -hmm. And any press that will be there that day cannot hide anything because it's open for everybody to hear. Mm -hmm. You understand? So that was why we concluded and said, okay, let's organize them. Although they tried stopping us, you know, they did all whatever they could to make sure the demonstration is not going to take place. But I refused mm -hmm. because I have already made, I've made up my mind to organize this demonstration and I sent the burger master a letter, mm -hmm. which they approve. So we, we, we believe the only way to speak to the society is that what the police people are saying about we Africa, that we are criminals, we are thieves, we are not ready to do something useful with our life. We fought them. All these are lies. Mm -hmm. This is not what actually happened in our lager. So the only way is to show to them and make them understand is for us to organize a demonstration, which we did, and it was successful and peaceful. Yeah, I mean, for instance, it's also a, a, a long-time narrative whereby the government usually says, these people, they do not 
um, they are from a sub um, uh, like another culture and they do not understand our culture uh, they are different people they don't want to work they do not want to integrate um, and when you look at the experiences such as you you are also fighting now to to integrate into Germany and you are not given that opportunity to in integrate and when you hear them criticize you for also not integrating, not working, only coming here to get the benefits that the EU countries offer. Uh, what do you say, even though every day of your life in the camp you are fighting in order to be able to integrate, to be able to integrate into Germany's society and learn the way the society is, and at the same time you are not allowed to, what do you, how do you see it when you hear these things from the mainstream media? Honestly, I feel very, very bad. Like I said before, disappointed because we are here in Germany to 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 seek for this integration, and we are begging them to give us the opportunity to do this. Mm -hmm. They are denying us this opportunity. Still, here they will go and say that keep saying the 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 the, the Africa people that is coming to this country, they 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 they, they don't want to be integrated. They don't want to do anything. They just they are just coming here to, because of the benefit. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand why they are saying this. Because it's not everybody or all Africa that came to Europe that are poor in their country. No. Mm -hmm. It's not everybody. Mm -hmm. Some people in their country they are rich. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just come to you came to Europe to to, 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 to to learn more and be exposed to, 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 to other things. So you don't say we are coming because of uh, 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 the the benefit. No, we are here to be targeted. They should just give us this chance. They should give us this opportunity to do all this and let them see if, 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 if they will be having all this problem. So some, if I'm hearing something like that from the media, I, 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 I feel very, very disappointed, honestly. Mm. We are also trying now to, I'm also a bit out of time, but I am going to ask you how, what, should, what is going to be your wish and what is going to be your demand to continue in the future because as also as Angela Davis quoted that the refugee struggle is the new century struggle in order for us to continue the struggle and connect both those in Germany the laggards in Germany the uh, laggards in Denmark in Italy Switzerland um, Sweden in order to be able to make a, a wide change so that every it could be acceptable to be a refugee today what do you think is the way forward like what is going to be the wish for the future what is going to be the demand for the future from the people from Evergen? right now i i don't really know what to say i don't really know how to put it but what we the refugees living in Evergen, mm -hmm. are asking for is the wish should be given permission to stay mm -hmm. that is what we need we should be given permission to stay we should be allowed to go to school mm -hmm. we should be given this chance to work mm -hmm. because according to them they said we are here to constitute nuisance mm -hmm. in a society there are always bad people mm -hmm. everybody cannot be good yeah it's not only for the black including the white mm -hmm. Sometimes I go to the supermarket, I see white people like them stealing inside the supermarket. Mm -hmm. These people are not blacks. Mm -hmm. And they will take this thing, they will go outside, nobody will ask them. Mm -hmm. 
But let it be a black man that does that. You will see the alarm. They'll start screaming, shouting, mm -hmm. calling us criminals. It's not everybody. It's not all Africans or all blacks in Germany that are criminals or that are not ready to do something useful with uh, their lives. Another question I wanted to ask you now you're talking about this. Do you often think that the situation such, like, such as the one in Italy or such as like not being able to work or not giving the permission to work in Europe for the, many people who are left in the camp, do you often think that these situations pushes them into doing something wrong in the society? I, I, I will say, I will, to that question, I will say um, yes. Because uh, when you are when when you when you when you locked someone in one place, mm -hmm. the person is not given opportunity to do anything. Is not is not is not given freedom. Mm -hmm. What do you expect? Somebody that left his or her country to this place to 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 do something useful with himself. You kept him in one place without doing anything. Yeah. He wakes up every morning seeing the same the same faces he's seen, meeting eating the same food. Thinking of his life, maybe what what will be going through his mind is that maybe tomorrow they will just come and say he should go back to his country mm -hmm. or go back to where he's coming from. The person will be pushed to do something so that he will make quick money. Like now, actually, also I'm a Nigerian, and uh, throughout my ten years of being in Europe now, I've always had the idea that you Nigerians are not good. Uh, you only sell drugs on the street. You do prostitutions on the street, and I've been almost all my life trying to defend that. Uh, also trying to explain that many of us are pushed into this situation. And, and it's also with the situation such as like locking people in the camp, abandoning them uh, without housing, abandoning them in the society that also pushes them because they do not know where to rely. Um, so I'm only trying to understand if you think that maybe such as the, the situation in your camp or the situation you noticed in Italy, maybe if that somehow forces people into also committing this quote-unquote crime in, 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 in Europe or in Germany. That is what I just said now. Mm. For instance, if you go to Italy now, presently now, people are sleeping in the street. Mm -hmm. They don't have home. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. They don't have where to stay and they don't have job. Yeah. Some people, they go from supermarket to supermarket to beg to survive. Yeah. What do you expect from such people? They want to live a better life, so they will do anything, anything to change their way of living. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Isaiah. I have one more last thing I would like you. This is more like directed to the refugees and the refugee communities in different camps, in Evergon, in, uh, around the whole Germany. Why, when you said we need to organize together, we need to fight against the system, what is going to be your advice why we must fight this sort of systems? My advice to the refugees here in Europe and Germany, Italy, Switzerland, everywhere is just for me to tell them that we need to come together and be connected. We need to stand up. We need to make these people understand that we are tired of this kind of maltreatment. Yeah. You understand? We need to come together and unite together and fight against this thing. Nobody is going to fight our fight for us. Who exactly. will be the one to fight our fight? Yeah. So that is what I have to tell them. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Isaiah. And uh, it's been awesome hearing your own um, advices, your struggles. And uh, if you have any wish for a song for us 
to play along to, um, on Friday for this for the program. I would also advise you to join and also advise other refugees. You just had him support the people in Germany. We ask you to please go to Evergen, ask people there, show solidarity to them, and also support them in uh, their struggle. Um, it is the new century struggle, the refugee struggle, and we just would encourage you to go to help. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on the program, and um, we are very grateful that you came along, and please keep up the fight. All right, you have a blessed day. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was um, the last interview we had um, with um, the person from Evergen, Isaiah. And now uh, to you, Susie. I'm going to be asking, these are some of the people who are also facing the Dublin deportation. Uh, and their, their, their fight has always been not to be deported either back to Italy or to Turkey or Greece. And um, we talked quite deeply how this affects them in everyday life and how it's really playing into the narrative of the politics we see today in, uh, in Europe, whereby we do not want them here. They are not supposed to be here. There is a lot, it's a lot, a lot of things we hear today. How does this, how does this narrative or what he just explained play into what you have experienced or the politics you're experiencing today in, in Europe? I mean, in terms of discrimination, like we do not want these refugees here, or you have a, a fingerprint uh, somewhere already, your first place, you, you arrived, and you have to go back there. How these things have somehow entangled the system that also reproduces the same either slavery or um, sort of uh, displacement of people or forcing people to live very precariously in the sense that they do not have a life outside of this. How do you see that also being pushed today by the politics that is being played by some of the um, EU countries, such as Italy? Yes, uh, I, I think we can take it even more broadly in the sense that this plays very much with politics uh, of insecurity. So if you play very much on the idea of uh, that the fact that this is an emergency, an emergential situation, uh, we can't take so many, there are hordes of them coming in and so forth and so Ah, so, um, yeah. I mean, this politics of insecurity also built upon, so um, as we talked uh, previously, uh, forms of uh, securitization that also play with membership criteria. And these are also enforced by these border spectacles. They yeah. are not only like physical, but they create a, a, a condition yeah. both for so those... Uh, passing borders and those for uh, belonging to the community. Mm -hmm. So it's the, there's a clearer, let's say, identification of wh who belongs to the community and who's threatened by someone else. And this threat is um, like a, experienced as an existential threat mm. almost mm. of those not belonging in view also of these forms of criminalization. So mm -hmm. that play very much on forms of criminality and so on. And also, by the way, we should also emphasize the fact that this criminalization is the criminalization of the uh, people on the move mm -hmm. uh, created by all this that we've seen, but also the criminalizations of forms of solidarity. Mm. That means that we see this more and more. Mm. That means also those like uh, 
helping, uh, being in solidarity, hiding, abetting, or yeah. doing other things. These are these are also criminalized. So this yeah. is also what is created by the, all this complex system. Let's say. But it it simply plays with the citizenship membership, with the fact that this uh, politics of insecurity is based as very much also this uh, whole process of uh, externalization on state-based criteria. So the nation state is actually the one still playing out with this belonging or not belonging. And as far as you are not belonging, you are considered like the outsider Mm. and... This narrative, as you said, yeah, there's a kind of, uh, you know, reproducing narrative on the fact that you represent a threat mm. and also playing on, uh, for example, criminality rates, which uh, all kind of statistics show that these are overemphasized. Also, mm. when you ask, for example, people how much they think that uh, these or these migrants commit criminality, this is far over the real amount of uh, criminality committed by mm. uh, so uh, those mm. with, uh, for example, this or that, this or that uh, background. So, mm. so, um, so it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole system that somehow fits uh, fits itself. And uh, the, the, the Dublin would be a good point also to start with for implementing forms of uh, solidarity at the European level, which we yeah. haven't seen so mm. far. No, That's no. why you have even more closure around uh, the uh, so national state uh, paradigm. So, which is also what we are we are seeing now play out in the sense that a lot of the countries are beginning to close their borders, and uh, as Martin easily put it, uh, it's also profitable to to send out these messages of threat, uh, playing on people's fears, telling them that these people are not welcome, they are different people, and why we don't want them here. Uh, so another thing I wanted to put in, or uh, we need to bring in, is um, the protest that was happening last year in, um, in Sweden by some young kids, because when we also refer, like, this does not only have to do with young male adults that they often portray as the threats, because it's also young children, boys, girls, older women, uh, old men. These are also people who are quite well affected with this whole Dublin, with fleeing and uh, being detained and being forcefully deported. So there was a protest with uh, the young people in uh, Sweden last year from the age of um, 15 downwards, 16, 17 downwards, uh, who was also protesting the conditions that they were put in in uh, Sweden. They were, Yeah, they were protesting the um, deportations to Afghanistan. So it's a group that is called Ung Sverige, which translates to youth in Sweden, a group of young Afghans who... Um, who uh, um, protested the um, deportations to Afghanistan, and they managed to reach like really far in the media also, and create a lot of civil support for their cause. Yeah. Also, when you talk about solidarity, there is a lot of solidarity. Only that also this solidarity is beginning to be criminalized. Now, if you look at this, a lot of the people there are. If you look at the UK, a lot of these forms are coming on. But before we go into that topic, let's hear what this. Uh, children have to say and so last year in autumn this um, protest started and it was like uh, started as a two-month strike in the center of Stockholm where this group of young Afghan was sitting and striking um, for these two months 
And in the autumn last year, Bridge Radio, uh, represented by Sack, Harudu and Nana Hansen, that's me, went to Stockholm and visited the protest while they were having this camp in the center of Stockholm. And we made an interview with two of the people who were part of starting the protest, Yaya and Mohammed. Okay, we have a little technical problem. So in the meantime, we will just play you a song. Um, and this song, it's also connected to the struggle. It's a song by Sunita uh, Alcida, who is a young female rapper from Afghanistan, and her song is called United. And she's also, yeah, so it's about the importance of Afghans from different backgrounds and ethnicities coming together and being united for peace, security and stability in Afghanistan. <laughs> شود با هم دوست بود چه خواهر و برادر می شود از جان ساخت پولی متبر بین ما و تو و کوبیدن مرزا در هم سرود سلخان گلد و دست هم آغاز یک روز بدور از روکت و مرمی در گذر به هم بدم سلام گرمی روز اتحاد روز دوستی هم دلی روز شادی ما و تو عطن ملی وطن یعنی می یعنی تو یعنی ما وطن یعنی به یک نماد افغان ها وطن پازی نیست که قطع آتش مایی من وطن جزب تر وقت شد رو با هم متفاوتن بهش تو هزار تاجیک و بلوچ و ترک من به هم نیاز داریم در ساخت فردای وطن به ببین رق بالو رنگ ساخت قرور ماست رنگ سیاه زنیل کردن دشمنا رنگ سبزه فردای روشن ماست که پاینده میشه جای که سرزمین ماست همه متحد بیروزی در کمین ماست متحد We are here from the Bridge Radio, the radio station in Copenhagen, visiting the Afghan protest camp in Stockholm. And we wanted to ask you if you could explain how the this protest started. Uh, I want to say hi to everyone because in the in these two years we the Swedish government have made decision to send a lot of them back to Afghanistan and because of that the, uh, we came to this uh, idea, idea to start this um, that we uh, that we saying uh, city streak 
we was uh, just like ten per person for the first for, for, from the first day, and then uh, uh, that believe uh, a lot of people and from everywhere, and they come to support us. Of the. It's uh, Afghanistan, and because of that, uh, we came to this uh, idea to start this uh, that we uh, that we saying city streak. We was uh, just like ten per person for the first for, for, from the first day, and then uh, uh, that believe uh, a lot of people and from everywhere and they come to support us. After, and both of you were here yeah. from the beginning, okay. So what was the, if you could explain a little bit more, the reason why you wanted to start the protest? Uh, the first I want to say hi to everyone that listened to my speech. We are here for the 33 days here. And, uh, and actually, as you know, we changed our place for three times. And uh, from the first day, we were in front, the central of Stockholm, the in front of the parliament in uh, one place, the name of uh, Menturiet. We were there for five days, yeah, yeah. for five days, and uh, for uh, from the fourth days, the some uh, people they are they are disagree with the migration. They came. Uh, and uh, say something about the uh, go home and go home something and they attack to refugees and they uh, okay they, they send like uh, I don't know what's calling to English but because I uh, they, they, they cast uh, they cast uh, the truth they, they threw the uh, rock bomb and say uh, and it was a little bit uh, difficult for us because it was the first time that we uh, have seen in Sweden that it it happened and we uh, we thought that maybe Daesh or maybe ISIS uh, uh, coming into Sweden also but it wasn't uh, ISIS it was uh, just those people who doesn't want the refugees uh, we saying to them racism all of us that was in the Mentoriat, uh, we was young people, and uh, it was uh, absolutely very difficult for us, and we was very uh, afraid of that. But uh, then they came all uh, like a little bit Swedish people, and they helped us to don't be afraid. We we're here to support uh, you, and it's not an uh, any big things, and because of that we we just count in our protest up to now what is the main message or what you want to achieve with the protest I want to say to all the people that are thinking about humanity to stay to for each other take care of uh, each other because the one thing if if we do together together we are strong but uh, and some and alone that's impossible to do it and we are saying to all of that uh, that live in Denmark that uh, try to help all the people uh, 
we should not say after this that, that I'm from refugees, I'm from Afghanistan, from this place. We have to say that, that we're uh, a human. Yep. For you, if you could also explain a bit about the goal or the message of the this demonstration. As uh, <laughs> nowadays the world know about the situation of Afghanistan, that Afghanistan is not safe. And uh, we don't know exactly <laughs> why the Swedish government or Swedish migration believe that Afghanistan is safe. Because of, uh, you know, every day in Afghanistan, the most people were killed by tourist group such as Taliban and ISIS. We don't know why they believe that. And we are here, we came here just show to who, who, those people who are believe that Afghanistan is safe, that we don't want to die, we want to live. Because of, we ran away from the war and we came here just for someone support us. And the most of people that here, they are, they don't know exactly about their future. Because uh, most of our they took uh, negative from the migration and maybe in future they will deport. But they don't want to die, they want to live. And the Swedish migration or Swedish government, they can decide for the future. And their future is hand of Swedish government, government yeah. And we, wa we have a one more that the Swedish migration and government, they should stop deportation to Afghanistan. If if any of you speak Dari, yeah. Maybe if you can, if you <coughs> were to speak to the other Afghan people in Denmark, yeah. what will you tell them shortly? Maybe in Dari, what what message will you want them to hear? Bara tamam ya matana ya zizi masalam megim, xusa nashkasa ke da Denmark zindagi mekunam. Shuma shayet khavar dosta boshe in ma mudati si useros shabanaros dar Stockholm tahasun kardim. بخاطری که افغانستان امنیت نیست و هیچ هموطن ما باید مجبور نشوه با اینکه از کشورهای اروپایی به افغانستان فرستاده شوه و خصوصا سویدن و برای تمامشان مسیج رایی درخواست را برشان میگم که بخاطر انسانیت و به حق انسانیت به پا بایستن و بخاطر حق شهروندی که افغانی ها در اروپا دارن استاد شوانی حق ماست و باید ما به حق خود برسیم و کمک بکنین به همدیگریتان نمانین که هیچ کسی با سرنویشت و آیندهتان بازی بکنه و ای اخراج های اجباری را با کمک همدیگریتان استاب بکنین یا توقف بتین تشکر Maybe could I ask you to make a short version also in English about which message you would bring to other migrants it could both be Afghan migrants or other migrants like what would be the message you would bring to them Yeah uh, I say to hi uh, everyone that's from Afghanistan, all the people that knows that I'm talking Dari. Uh, you know, we, we have been here for 33 days because of to stop deportation to Afghanistan. And that's our, uh, we have the right to leave. We have the right to have a future. And uh, uh, I'm telling to them that uh, stay up for each other and uh, don't let the people that uh, will to take your uh, right and uh, don't let the people to uh, play for, for uh, with your future and uh, uh, with uh, together uh, we can stop the deportation to Afghanistan.
Thank you. Yesterday you told us about like more in detail about how you started the protest, that it was like how you actually did. So I don't know if you, yeah, like in very like because you told us that it was just one person getting this idea, calling the other. I don't know if you could explain a little bit about that because I think it's also nice for other people who are in similar situation to know how you actually very practically started the protest. Uh, from the first time that uh, we were ten per ten person, about uh, four girls and six boys, and uh, from the first person who re, uh, called to this ten person, the, uh, is the, there is uh, one girl. Uh, her name is Fatima. Fatima called to us and said, "Come here, and we want to." Uh, doing something for uh, uh, the now you know the situation of the refugees in Sweden is so hard and came and uh, we want to doing some um, uh, work or some um, action and yeah together and we came and uh, we were 10 person you know, from the first time and 6 Augusti uh, Sunday, yeah, the, that was Sunday, and we came in uh, mentoriat in front of Parliament, and we believe uh, more and more and more. Yeah. Do you want to say more? Uh, like, like my friend said, uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, it was just uh, thin person <coughs> in the beginning, but then it. Uh, it's you. You see that it's uh, a lot of people here, uh, and the first time when we it, it was so boring for us that to see all our people that living in the street and doesn't have any place, and the, the most of them uh, have negative from migration, and they have to go from Sweden uh, b back to Afghanistan, and because of that we had not any other choice to do. It was the only thing that we could do because we had uh, uh, so many demonstration and manifestation and manifestation because of to stop uh, uh, deportation to Afghanistan. But uh, it doesn't help. Uh, they didn't help, and we we come to this uh, idea to do this. Maybe they can help, and we I I, I have the the hope that we uh, will uh, get that. Uh, I, I would just like to know, like. Who, who is here? Um, is it are there women? Is there children? <laughs> How old are people? Like just uh, to tell about who? Uh, you see that there is uh, right now because in the night it's a, a little bit difficult for us to have the children here because we we are afraid because of racists that uh, they come and uh, to attack us because of that they are going home. But in the uh, uh, in the morning they're coming, and uh, uh, right now it's uh, girl, boy, woman, man, everyone from Sweden, uh, Swedish people, from Afghanistan, from uh, everywhere, Iraq, S Somali, yeah. And around how around how many people have you been during this uh, protest or manifestation? It's uh, it's different. Because right now the school have begun started and uh, uh, 
some days uh, we are uh, so many people. Like uh, one day I I I mean the one day we we had more than two thousand people in the Mirbeplatz and uh, they're coming when they, that, that's difficult situation for us. That that day was that r racist. Uh, uh, had uh, had said to us that we are coming and we wanted to demonstrate uh, 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 in front of you, and because of that we was so many people. Yeah, but right now it's maybe 300 or maybe 200, like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I want to say something from the first night that we uh, uh, started to protest era and uh, it was it was many people from Swedish and from Afghanistan that came to us and said that don't do that because it's so difficult because you're so young and uh, you doesn't have any uh, person that know everything about and uh, you doesn't have the experience we said we haven't uh, another choice that's the only way that we can do and um, they said to us maybe in the in the night they they coming racist they coming uh, uh, they 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 will come and uh, injure you and they will come and die you, but but also the weather was uh, so so cold, yeah and uh, uh, raining every day in the beginning, but uh, uh, we just uh, said to, we want to do that. We doesn't care what what they are saying. We will do that. The Swedish person that who came to uh, mentoriat, they were Swedish person, and they don't have a problem. And the the Afghan people that came the in mentoriat, they have so uh, like identity card or something, and they had no any problem. They said, no, you are young. You cannot stay here. The weather is cold, the raining, maybe you uh, like uh, have a cold and something. But we said no, we are tired from this situation and we can't stand. And we want to stay here until that we uh, achieve our goal. Yep. Like most of you, like what is, because you say you are young, but just to give the people li listening, like which age are most of the people who are okay. doing the protest? In Sweden, that's like that. I don't know in Denmark, but in Sweden, it's like that. If uh, someone is um, under under uh, 18 year old years old, that they're uh, 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 calling to them child, and most of the people that that's here, they, they are uh, under 18, and uh, uh, because of that, we are saying we're young people. Yeah. At the first, we we were uh, ten percent, uh, and uh, the most of our we were under eighteen. Yeah. But uh, now there is un under eighteen and over eighteen. Yeah. As of uh, the now, they uh, understand that if we came here, maybe uh, mm, help to every Afghan people, yeah. everyone, yeah. And they came here just for achieve their mall. Yeah. There is a uh, different uh, person from Afghanistan. For example, uh, those people who, are, who have uh, know anything, for example, identity card, 
those people who have identity card and those people who ha are like uh, uh, citizen citizen yeah citizen yeah they came here and uh, sit here and support and uh, yeah everything he means that everyone is that he's uh, that's here right now it's uh, those who doesn't have or those uh, who have everyone comes because of humanity and to support yeah. us yeah they, most of all they said I'm responsible to uh, come here and support the humanity yeah. yeah okay I don't know if you have anything to add other on just uh, I want to say that together we're strong just yeah. stay up for yeah, each yeah. other yeah. Mm. thank you that I think that's a really good closing message and I really uh, or I think we really hope that you will uh, reach your goals and be able to push the government to stop the deportation to Afghanistan thank you, thank you so much So what you just heard was an interview with Ungi Sverige, a group of young Afghan um, people uh, protesting against deportations to Afghanistan. And now we are back in the studio with Susi, and we are, have only little time left, but um, <coughs> I want to ask you about because today we are talking about the externalization of EU borders and also deportations. So how does the externalization of EU borders affect uh, deportations and deportation agreements? Um, for instance, also like mentioning the last year, Denmark made an agreement with the Nigerian state of receiving deportees to Uh, Nigeria in return for like a big amount of money and similar agreements are made at the EU level. So if you could explain like how externalization of EU borders affect uh, deportations. Yes, I mean shortly, uh, but uh, as you rightly say, we spoke also a little bit before about this, that uh, so in this case, also in the Nigerian case, uh, not only for Denmark, but also for Germany and by the way, also with other countries, Um, there's this idea that uh, what was called foreign aid and still is called foreign aid is actually bounded to some kind of uh, effects implemented so in the country where this aid is given to. Mm. That's what we spoke about, about these mm. linkages, linking mm. different issues up. But yeah. uh, this tells very much how there's a kind of... Uh, divide and rule way to go about, like competition for resources also among, for example, African states in mm. order to take mm. these resources and use them for development. Mm. Um, and 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 this, let's say, strategy works uh, very well, is very profitable for uh, European uh, countries in the sense that they say, okay, you get this finances, but in exchange we need this and this. Mm -hmm. And this is very clear, for example, with the uh, uh, memorandum that Italy has uh, recently signed with Libya, for example. This yeah. is kind of clear. Mm. Uh, I mean, you will have this and this in exchange for this kind of uh, so regulations and uh, control and management of, uh, of the borders, which implies also this detention, awful detention camps mm. that we have mm. in Libya, which are widely internationally criticized by very many organizations at all levels, in the sense they do not re respect basic 
fundamental human rights. Human rights. Yeah. So as we've seen also published in the social media and other places. So, but I mean, it's this is this way that goes like uh, in 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 creating so more deportation, more incarceration forms, and also bilateral agreements that go this way, pushing very much so uh, the uh, states in order to make these agreements mm. by so. Um, Putting this of, of of the economy also as an attraction yeah. mm. aspect. So, and which many of the times uh, these states, these African states, such as like my own country Nigeria, uh, many of the politicians would would quickly run into accepting this aid, which they will never use on their own population, and at the same time, these people get sent back or part of this agreement that the people they send back, we continue to live on that precarious situation. I mean, it doesn't change anything for them, but they use these finances that they have been given. Even uh, Martin also mentioned it to the point whereby he said, many even the, the things like the weapons or the surveillance uh, materials that they get, that there is never a promise or there is not guarantee that they these detectors will not use the this equipment on their own civilians. So many of the times, even this, many of this aid are used on the same population which is supposed to protect. So in that sense, we also try to point out that a lot of this um, aid is also to use to um, deprive people of their basic human rights in the longer run. Because a lot of these, uh, what do you call it, leaders we have, many of them end up to become detectors are in order for you to perform this kind of um, deals or that is being signed by the EU you have to be a man or a leader who is very 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 strong to in order to carry it out also when we talk about colonel gaddafi this was what he was doing for the eu in the past but just in a different way that is not very visible so we also want to bring that up so that our listeners might also understand so because when you pay your taxes when your taxes are being sent into this kind of projects as mubolo mentioned earlier these are sort of colonial minds uh, colonial um or slavery that you're paying for. And even though it's not here in the border, in your borders, that it's being done somewhere else. So it doesn't really matter, actually, how, is, um, how we, who we send this money to, but we should be more careful of what they use it to do and how they use it on their population that we so say that we want to save, because these things do not save the populations. So, but anyway, thank you very much. I don't know if there's more you want to add, Susie, to our conversation today. No, thanks. It was a pleasure to uh, be here. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, as our own time is running out, and uh, we, we need to leave the studio also for other people. And uh, to the listeners, we say thank you very much for also listening and for everyone who has participated in making our program today successful. Uh, we also want to say thank you for giving your time and energy in also addressing this issue. So we are coming to the end of our program, but before we do, we will. I'm going to say goodbye, and I'm Steve. And I'm Nana. And as we mentioned during the program, this is a, it's, it's the first program in a series that we want to create that focuses on this externalization of the EU borders. So hopefully next program we will have coming up is the 15th of June, where you will be able to hear more. 
So this is it from us. And we also say to comrades and activists who are working daily or social workers who are working day in, day out in order to support the migrants, the refugees, we say kudos to you and also keep up the good work. And also for the refugees who are also working every day in order to bring out the suffering that they are going through. We say keep up your good courage, and um, this song is also dedicated to all of you. And thank you very much for listening, and see you next on the 15th of this month. Don't need a whole lot I've come to realize